Hello, 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 everybody. We're back at it again here at PH5 headquarters with the second episode in like two weeks. What is this madness? What is this level of podcast productivity? What's going on here? That's right, it's the end of the first season of PH5, and as I mentioned in the last episode, along with those wonderful interviews with Wizard of and Carrie Lynn, that the end of the season will be filled with many special delights and surprises. Um, This episode is not going to be one of those. This is a standard PH5 episode, because folks... The month of November has ended, and it's time to talk about those November releases. Um, just as a disclaimer, I'm feeling a tad bit under the weather. Um, so if my energy levels aren't where they usually are, if I do a little coughing or sneezing every now and then, you know why. Um, pretty sure it's not COVID. So... November, hey, how about how about that month? Um, any November fans here? I'm not a huge fan of November. Um, I'd probably put it maybe just behind February for my least favorite months. Just not really all that much going on, you know. Um, except Remembrance Day. Uh, respect to the vets, I guess. Um. Interesting month for music, as always, in November. A lot of, like, just okay records. Um, I wasn't too blown away by too much this month. Although there were, uh, the few things that I was impressed with, uh, I thought were great and really good. And, of course, I'll be talking about those in just a few moments. Here at home, I just got this gig that has me on the road. Uh, basically all the time. I was thinking like, is there a way I could do like a driving episode, you know, that I record while I drive? Um, and it'd be cool if I ended up like, while recording driving, getting into like a horrific accident. And you guys would actually be able to hear that. But then I I've thought to myself, how the heck am I going to upload the episode if I've uh, been maimed in a horrific car accident? So, uh, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So, I've been really doing these long-ass episodes lately. That's just kind of how the rhythm of the show has settled. Let's see if I can keep it under an hour this time. Hey, okay? What do you guys think about that? Uh... Just out of my own curiosity, if I'm still able to be concise and brief with what I'm talking about. And also just because, like, it kind of hurts a little bit to talk. So, um, yeah, I don't really want to do too much of that. You know what I mean? That said, you know, this is important stuff, okay? I mean, where else are you going to figure out what the best albums of November were? Uh, according to me Nowhere, this is the only place I have a duty to y'all so let's get into it then, okay? 
So, Peach 5 episode 12? Holy smokes. This is for November of 2021. Here we go. Let's get into it. Party time. Okay, so, coming in at number five for the month of November 2021, we've got Hanky by Richard Dawson and Circle. Um, one of two kind of collaborative records that I'll be speaking about this episode. Um, the other one doesn't fare so well, though, but we'll get to that later. Uh, not, not Hanky, like, uh... Like a handkerchief? You guys remember Hanky the Christmas Pooh? Yeah, um, happy holidays, I guess. But Hanky, uh, Hanky is like a, like a creature of, of Finnish mythology, uh, or something like that. And this record, collaboration between Richard Dawson and the band Circle, it's kind of like a, like a super group of Europe's finest weirdos. Um, the album, every song is kind of a, uh, about a plant, apparently. I mean, uh, I, I only read that elsewhere. I mean, you, you kind of listen along and the songs seem to be about a lot more than plants. But, uh, the, the, the fundamental root, if you will, of the song is always about, like a, like a plant. Um... So, what what the heck is this record? So this is, uh, for those of you who don't know, who's probably basically everyone, um, Richard Dawson is... <laughs> British, maybe? Certainly European artist who kind of makes this interesting, like, folky, weird music, um... And Circle is uh, this also uh, blanket statement European band that's, uh, they make kind of like a, almost like a, how do I even put this, like kind of sludgy prog, but they've made just about every genre imaginable uh, to the point where a few years ago they, they even kind of traded names with this other band. So this other band became Circle and made their kind of music, but it was still under the circle kind of umbrella. I don't know, I, I'm, I'm confused even trying to wrap my head around it right now. But the point being, um, these are two distinctively strange artists coming together to make um, what is undoubtedly a very strange record. And what I really liked about this album is how just European it is. Um, you know, a lot of the music that we listen to here in North America, you don't really realize it, but it all kind of, not that it sounds the same, but it all seems to stem from certain ideologies or, or, or certain ethoses. Is that a word? Ethoses? in regards to music making. Um, and what I like about this record is that it is unapologetically 
European. And w what does that even mean? You know, Europe's a big country, dude. Uh, country, yes, <laughs> it's a real big country. Europe is a massive continent and encapsulates like hundreds of cultures. So what do I say when, sorry, what do I mean when I say that this sounds distinctly European? Well, Richard Dawson, who does singing on the record, isn't afraid to let his accent shine through. Um, a lot of the kind of melodies have a, like, it's hard to explain, but like the melodies, it just sounds European. And a lot of, um, a lot of the central, you know, musical themes and motifs that come through in these songs, it just doesn't sound like anything you would hear coming out of Canada or the States or anything like that. It has an almost uh, medieval feel to it at times. And uh, we didn't really have uh, the medieval times here in North America, unless you're including that wonderful attraction just down the road from me. So they draw upon the past, but like the past past, like many, many centuries ago. And they kind of mix that old, you know, old-timey style of music and, you know, ways of approaching songs with this new age uh, technology and recording processes. The album sounds great. It doesn't sound like something recorded in the 1500s, that's for sure. Sounds very good. The mix is very clean and clear. I think you just need to hear it to know what I mean. So, the songs are... Definitely very proggy, not not proggy. That's not a word. Proggy, like prog rock. Um, and the only real comparison I can think for this kind of album and, and, and the songs and kind of the really epic song craft that Richard Dawson and Circle bring to these tracks is like '70s Genesis, um, who coincidentally also had a full-length album um, dedicated to plants. So you can definitely see a little bit of inspiration there, but they really find a way to make it sound like nothing but their own product. Uh, Richard Dawson is hilarious. Like he can't really sing in in your traditional sense, but he's so committed to it and so just like you know he you can tell he really. He's really feeling it when he's singing here, and and it, it, it more than makes up for the fact that he's, you know, sharp or flat and off-key on, you know, just about every second note. Uh, but his resolve shines through, and it really makes these songs work. Um, it's a strange record, for sure. I know I've already said that, but it is strange. It almost comes across as like a sludge prog album. Lots of folky elements, lots of, uh, kind of electronic elements imbued within it as well. Lots of kind of instrumental sections and freakouts. It's a lot of fun, and it's unlike anything else that I've listened to this year. Probably unlike anything else that you've listened to this year. And it's... I feel like prog rock has a bad kind of connotation at this point. Uh, thanks a lot for that dream theater. But this is prog rock 
sounding good and sounding fresh and and it's a spin on ideas that really haven't been approached before and it's european as hell so if you want kind of like a, a getaway a little escape from this uh you know western civilization this north american life that we all live listen to hanky by richard dawson and circle uh it'll transport you far far away and you'll have a blast doing it. So, coming in at number five is Henke by Richard Dawson and Circle. Okay, coming in at number four, we have Engine of Hell by Emma Ruth Rundle. Um, whoa, this is a pretty devastating record. Um, last month I talked about the Grouper album. Grouper's been one of my all-time favorite artists for a very long time now, and, and Emma is someone who I've respected a lot over the years, but haven't really been able to get too, too much into her. Um, she had a great collaborative album with Thou that came out last year. Uh, called Mayor Chambers Be Full. It didn't really end up on any of my year-end lists or, or any of my top records from 2020, but it was really solid, and it kind of saw them making almost like a heavy version of grunge. Um, Emma trading vocals with Thou's vocalist, who obviously does the kind of like screaming kind of thing. It was a cool record. A lot of people liked it a lot more than I did, um, but I, I still thought it was it was fine enough, and she used to be a part of her band. I think they're called Red Sparrows. Sorry if that's wrong, Emma. And she's been making a lot of kind of solo albums recently that kind of veer into dark folk esque territory. A lot of people would call it. But this album is a vast departure from anything she's ever done before because of how kind of intimate it is. Uh, all the songs on Engine of Hell just feature Emma with a single acoustic guitar accompaniment or Emma just by herself on the piano and it really leads to all of these songs feeling extremely personal and extremely um, almost fragile, in a way. Uh, she's obviously a very strong woman, and that strength has come through in so many of her past projects. She's not afraid to get heavy as fuck, or, you know, shred if need be, but this is a very almost tender record. Uh, sees her kind of playing through, I'm just gonna say various traumas. Um, in these selections of songs, and it can be kind of hard to listen to at times because of how kind of direct and almost bleak it sounds at times. But when you finish listening to this record, you really feel like you've gotten to know her so much better than with any of her other releases. Um, my personal favorite song in the record is called Razor's Edge, and the chorus goes like this. She says, um, 
I've been dancing on the razor's edge just to feel its power. And I find that to be like a really kind of stunning admission of that feeling, that, that, that act that we do when we, you know, kind of play with fire just because we want to get burnt. You know, when we, we do things in life that are misguided and, and, and things that are detrimental to us and we know it, but, you know, there's almost that, that powerful feeling in, 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 in that abandon. And she has, uh, does a fantastic job of, you know, lyrically and, and, and vocally kind of getting across. And you can hear how kind of world weird she is in all of these songs. And so I just think that line in particular is a really stunning and, and emblematic of what's going on in this entire record. You know, you can tell she's gone through a lot in her life and this is her chance to kind of exercise a lot of those demons. And she's doing it in the most personal, kind of stark way imaginable. I kind of had this discussion with a friend. Um, I'm not usually a huge fan of your straightforward singer, songwriter, kind of stuff like that. Um, it takes, it, it needs to be either just really bleak and devastating or kind of really strange and weird for me to really get into it. Um, this record definitely skews the former. Uh, but, you know, there's some kind of interesting decisions that she makes in a lot of these songs as well. Uh, silence being a huge factor at play in this album. Her kind of drawing on notes that you wouldn't expect to be drawn on. And the overall effect is, is kind of like Emma giving you a glimpse inside of her particularly dark soul. Um, it's not a record you're going to be playing every day. Um, it's not something you're going to be putting on when you have people over for Christmas holidays. That's what Adele's record's for, uh, of course. On that note, um, I should have talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm just going to take this quick second to uh, discuss it. I mentioned that in November, there weren't like a ton of records I was super impressed with. I was thinking about why that is. Um, on one hand, you know, it's kind of close to the end of the year, so at this point, anyone who's want to be putting out a big statement record has probably already done so. But also, freaking Adele released a new record in November. It's like, what's even the point of releasing music within a, you know, three to four week radius of a an Adele release. Um, we kind of saw how her releases affect the vinyl industry with basically all the vinyl plants on Earth giving her priority to get that record pressed, um, leaving, you know, indie artists who've been waiting for their vinyls to wait for another year or so so they can finally put their music out. Um, and we saw the just gargantuan first week sales of Adele. Um, it was like, what, like close to 700,000 first week with like a huge chunk of those being pure sales, not just streaming. So it's kind of like, 
every five years or so, Adele comes along and just kind of like saves the music industry, just generates so much revenue for the industry that what else are you gonna do, really? Like, you just kind of let her do her thing and, you know, pump some money back into the industry with all those people buying all of her records to kind of let the thing sustain for a few more years. Adele's kind of like the stimulus checks of the music industry. So yeah, why would you even want to compete with that? Anyway, um... I like Emma Ruth Rundle's record a lot better than the Adele's record. So, take that, Adele. Um, yeah. So, coming in at number four is Engine of Hell by Emma Ruth Rundle. Okay, and number three for November 2021 we have the record Twin Dream by Glassing. So, Glassing is a very interesting metal band. Um, I'd say they do almost like an experimental avant-garde take on metal, but not in the way that like K.O. Dot or someone like that would do it. Uh, the sounds are very traditional, you know, it's kind of your take on sludgy, you know, black metal with a lot of post-rock influences. But they're not afraid to, you know, uh, include lots of interesting, say, time structures. Not that that's necessarily a weird thing for metal. Um, and, and incorporate a lot of sounds and, and genres you wouldn't really expect to hear on a metal album. Um, this is a really heavy record, for sure, but it's also a really interesting listen from start to finish because they don't really stick around in one kind of spot for too long for you to get bored. It's, it's always changing, the music's always changing. Um, it's, it's a weird record in that, like, the songs are definitely based around riffs, but all of the members of the band are playing together in such a complete way that it's not so riff obvious, like say, you know, like a Slayer album or like an Iron Maiden or any of those kind of power metal bands whose entire songs and identities revolve around riffs. Like riffs are definitely the core tenet of these songs, but again, there's so much other stuff going on as well that the riffs just feel like another piece of this huge puzzle that Glassing's put together. Um, my favorite moment on the entire record is in the title track, uh, Twin Dream, which is just a super cool song. Again, it kind of moves through, a, begins in kind of an industrial, kind of slow-paced, uh, doomy kind of section with some clean song vocals. And then the intensity kicks up and, you know, the blast beats come in and the guitars come in. And the songs kind of break down through the second half. Uh, this really cool thing happens where, especially if you listen to it on headphones, 
uh, you know, they're going, they're going like, ah, you know, and they're, they're, they're playing the guitar, they're, they're riffing hard, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it kind of cuts out in this, like, how do we even describe it? This, like, squiggly noise comes through the mix, and it just, like, tickles your brain a little bit. Um, it's weird that these days, or ever really, um, artists are able to kind of do that. Uh, you know, I just finished school learning about mixing and all that, and at this point, music and, and the mix of music has become so standardized in so many ways that, you know, your brain's kind of like, there's nothing you can do that's gonna mess with me at this point. Like, I, I've heard it all, um, there's, there's nothing weird that can make you kind of second-guess what you're hearing. At least not so much anymore. But this kind of squiggly riff that, that kind of worms its way through all the noise and cacophony. Cacophony. <laughs> um, it just produces this really strange physiological effect. Where the first time I heard it, I had to like kind of grab my headphones and, and pull them away like wh what was that was I supposed to hear that was that like a an error in the Bluetooth or something like that but no it's entirely intentional and again it is something you need to wear headphones to really hear uh, but it, it's this kind of really interesting uh, mix effect that they've used um, that to me kind of encapsulates all of the interesting decisions that they make throughout the entire record. I mean, that particular one is my favorite, uh, but then you have the song that follows Twin Dream, which is almost like an eight minute long, kind of ambient trip hop song. Again, in the middle of this um, really bleak metal record. So there's always interesting things going on, but they also keep it really heavy and just downright nasty at times. So, if you're in the fan, if you're in the fan, get out of the fan, what are you doing in the fan? If you're a fan of heavy music that will kind of make you think and kind of make your body react in ways that maybe you're not so used to, definitely check this record out. So coming in at number three is Glassing with Twin Dream. Alright baby, you know what time it is. It's mentions time. Hit it. These are the mentions. Beautiful, as always. So, starting off with the dishonorable mention for November 2021. We have that second collaborative album I spoke about earlier in the podcast. So, I mentioned that Emma, Ruth Rundle, and Thou released a collaborative record last year, and it was pretty good. Again, a lot of people liked it a lot more than I did, but I still thought it was pretty good. Well, to kind of uh, 
match up with that, this year we had the collaboration of Converge and Chelsea Wolfe. Not to mention Stephen Brodsky, who uh, is from Caven, plays on the record. And of course Ben Chisholm, who's Chelsea Wolfe's frequent collaborator, is on the record. And a bunch of other guests. Um, but the big difference between uh, Emma and Thou's record and Chelsea and Converge's record is that uh, the Converge and Chelsea Wolf record, called Blood Moon 1, uh, kind of blows, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, this thing is very boring. It's basically exactly what you'd think it is. Uh, in that it's these kind of long, doomy songs, and... I, I don't know. I mean, I got bored of this thing before I even got halfway through it. And if I'm being 100% honest, I didn't even finish it. And Converge is a band that I would say easily had probably the best run ever in terms of hardcore bands from their first record all the way up until um, Acts to Fall or even All You Love You Leave Behind. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of Chelsea. Uh, her record from, I think it was 2017, His Spun. I listened to that the other day. It holds up, it's great. So like, what exactly happened here? Um, so the record was born out of uh, a collaborative set that uh, these two acts performed together at a festival a few years ago. And I'm sure at the time, it seemed like a cool kind of novel thing, seeing Chelsea doing her, you know, kind of operatic, demonic, angelic vocal thing on top of, you know, Converge's furiousness. But it seems like maybe they should have just kept that as a one-off uh, live set collaboration because it's not really translating that well on record and to kind of add to that they have contributions again like I said from Steven Brodsky who comes in with the guitar and does some vocal work as well but none of these songs are good um, and it really made me kind of reflect on the band Converge because as I said they they had an absolutely legendary run but have they really even been good in like a decade? So their last truly great record, I'd say, was Axe to Fall in 2009, which is funny because that was another record which featured a ton of collaborations. But unlike this record, those collaborations worked and they sounded amazing and, and the whole thing made sense. It just added a whole new element to Converge's sound. Whereas this, it just kind of seems like they're they're trying too hard to, you know, create something really big and really epic. And it just kind of falls flat. So I'm thinking like, All We Love We Leave Behind, which came out in 2012, 2013. It was okay. But again, it wasn't that great if we're being honest. And then the Dusk in Us, which was their last record that they kind of released solo, I wasn't into it at all. 
So, this is an instance, if you ask me, of an aging hardcore band who's really trying to find a way to be older and still make good essential music. And unfortunately, I think they're kind of flailing and it's just not really happening. So, Converge, hey guys, maybe, maybe just stick to playing the classics, you know? I really hate to be that guy, but, you know, the new music just ain't cutting it. So, work with what you've got that you know works, and just leave it at that. I mean, we all still want to just see Jane Doe performed live. Just do that. I mean, how, how easy can it be? You guys have probably performed that album a zillion times at this point. You know? Nothing wrong with that. Make your money. Make the fans happy, and stop releasing boring, inessential music. So, the dishonorable mention for November is Convergent Chelsea Wolf's Blood Moon 1. Uh, you can keep number 2, by the way. Just keep it. So, the mention for November 2021 is Music for Psychedelic Therapy by John Hopkins. Um, so, as always with the mention, this is a record that I didn't necessarily love or hated, but still wanted to talk about because something about it was of interest to me. So, John Hopkins... Um, for those of you who don't know, he's a he's like a Grammy award-winning producer. He's worked with tons of artists like Coldplay back in the day. Um, I think he's even worked with Radiohead. But on his own terms, he's released steadily more ambient music. Um, his record Immunity that came out tons of years ago is sensational. One of the best. Um, techno slash ambient records I've ever heard in my life. Um, and a few years after that, he released Singularity, which was almost entirely ambient. And then this year, we have Music for Psychedelic Therapy, which is pure ambience, um, inspired by a trip to some caves somewhere in like South America or something like that. Anyway, I wanted to kind of bring it up because right there in the title you hear that this is a functional piece of art. It's music for psychedelic therapy. It's music that has a purpose and is meant to be listened to under specific circumstances. So, kind of two things come to mind when I see that and I listen to this record. The first one being, if you aren't using this record for psychedelic therapy, then why are you listening to it? And that sounds kind of harsh, but let me explain. So, again, this is an album with a very clear intent and purpose, and it's relying on the audience to, you know, play into that purpose and be in a specific state of mind to listen to the record. So my question is, if you aren't on psychedelics and you aren't using this 
album as a form of therapy, can you even really appropriately evaluate it or criticize it in any way? Um, is it critic-proof? This is a man who has released lots of critically acclaimed music in the past, um, but is it even possible to necessarily judge this album? It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like raiding a fork, you know? Like, how, what, what are you gonna raid a fork at? Like, it has a job, it, it does its job. If you aren't eating, can you raid a fork? <laughs> does that make any sense? So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen this album being rated and reviewed, etc. But, again, I don't see what the point is, because it's clear that John Hopkins released this album for a purpose, and its purpose is not for Rolling Stone to give it a 3.5 and call it, you know, a, the, the, the ambient bliss necessary for a current age, blah blah blah. No, this is music for psychedelic therapy. And unless you're using it and listening to it for that purpose, you're not listening to it in the right context. Now, personally speaking, I haven't listened to this record under the influence of psychedelics. Um, John Hopkins, man, if you want to hook me up, I'd be more than happy to listen to this record under the circumstances that you've dictated. Um, just send me a DM and I'll give you my address. But I, I haven't done it, so I can't properly judge this record because I'm not in the necessary state of mind that this album was intended for. That said, it, it, it's, it is an enjoyable ambient record and I can see how it would be therapeutic to those who are um, you know, using psychedelics as therapy, which is kind of the next big frontier. Um, microdosing and, and, and all those studies that have shown that use of psychedelic mushrooms is actually beneficial towards treating depression and PTSD and things like that. So who knows, maybe John Hopkins has created a landmark release which will be prescribed by doctors in years to come. There's no way of knowing. But either way, um, it's an interesting idea and I would love to have the opportunity to listen to the record as intended. But I haven't yet. If you have, please drop me a line and let me know if this thing worked for you. So, the mention for November 2021 is Music for Psychedelic Therapy by John Hopkins. And the honorable mention for the month is Ghost with Skin by Corbin. Okay, so I was thinking about this and it's kind of funny because it, there's no real way to describe this album without making it sound terrible. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like whiny white boy emo R&B. Um, sounds awful, right? It sounds like the worst shit you've ever heard in your life. Um, 
but it's not. It's, it's actually a great record. Um, and so a little bit of context for this album. This record came out the first week of November, and for all you faithful PH5 heads out there, you'll know that October was a month where I listened to a ton of hardcore and heavy music. So I kind of feel like maybe my brain needed a little bit of a break from that, and this album came out and it was kind of like the the the, the soothing ointment that my riff-scarred brain needed in that time. There also just wasn't that many other great releases that came out. Um, so Corbin, he also used to be known as Spooky Black. He's been making kind of R&B slash hip-hop um, in the underground for a few years now. It's been a while since his last record, and uh, I think he was actually claiming that he quit music, but I'm, I'm glad that he's back. He used to run in circles with, like, Antoine. Remember that guy? Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Um, and he was pretty big in the underground, kind of disappeared for a while. He's back with his record, and it's kind of a harken back to his earlier spooky black days. Um, entirely self-produced. It's a very kind of monochromatic record that exists in blacks and whites and grays. And... I describe the thing as kind of like a direct mix between James Blake and Lil Peep. <laughs> Again, like, it's hard to describe this record in a way that makes it sound good, because that description sounds appalling to me. But he makes it work. Um, there are way too many songs on this thing, as always, and it definitely all kind of starts to meld together after a while. Um, Hard to distinguish one song from the next, but he has a unique voice, and he, he is a great songwriter. And I'd say about, you know, half the songs on this record are, they're hits. You know, they sound great. I could almost see him on some alternative universe R&B radio station. Um, he does really lean into the kind of pop-punk whininess uh, maybe too much every now and then but that's part of the charm, part of the appeal and yeah, so if, if you're kind of hungry for something that sounds like R&B but doesn't really sound like a lot of the current R&B that's being released right now, this is definitely one you want to check out so that's Corbin with Ghost with Skin these are the mentions. Coming in at number two for November 2021 is the debut EP from the band Burial Waves called Holy Ground. Um, for a guy who claims to not like EPs, this is the third one being featured on PH5 of the Year. And this is the highest, I think it's the highest ranked. I don't remember how high I put the Eve's Tumor one. Um, anyway, let's just go with it. This is the highest ranked EP of the year yet. Uh, and for good reason. So Burial Waves has the vocalist from uh, kind of post-hardcore band, Pianos Become the Teeth, teaming up with a bunch of other guys to create what to me sounds like 
an almost completely brand new subgenre of rock and post-hardcore. Um, it's just an EP. There's no word on whether a f full length is going to be following or anything like that, but oh my god, please guys, please, please, please make more music because this thing sounds so cool. I'll try to describe it. Um, imagine if like... Jupiter era cave-in, so almost really like spacey, uh, yet really big sounding music, um, paired with the way, what I really like about this record among many things is how unique the vocal delivery is because the vocalist sounds like almost like a different vocalist on on every song and, and even within songs he does very unique vocal stylings and um unique phrasings and the mix of the whole thing is something i find really interesting too so it's very uh we'll say like almost very rhythm forward the bass and the guitar are front and center in the mix uh, just kind of hiding right behind the guy's vocals whereas the actual guitar itself is reduced to almost really really high trebly reverberance that kind of exists around the edges of the mix um reminds me a lot actually of uh glass jaws last record uh, material control where you can tell the bass is kind of the the soul well, not the soul but the featured instrument where the majority of the songwriting comes from and uh, the guitar is kind of a, a secondary accompaniment that that kind of just floats around the central riffs coming from the bass um, the EP just has five songs they all sound different yet similar and the vocalist so pianos become the teeth used to be you know a pretty heavy almost like screamo band up and they evolved and became kind of softer and softer and, the, and their last two records were um, uh, entirely clean sung very kind of straightforward post-hardcore songs uh, I wouldn't even call them that almost like indie songs at this point um, so this is the heaviest music that the vocalist has been associated with in a while I don't know his name can you tell I'm just been referring to him as the vocalist uh, over and over again. That's fine. He's probably not gonna hear this and It's nice to see him go back to kind of this raw more aggressive sound But again, it's not hardcore by any means It's 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 something more along the lines of yeah, like space rock mixed with glass jaw and The whole thing is really unique sounding really fresh sounding um and I just, it leaves you wanting more. This is a, an EP that, again, only about 20 minutes long, five songs, that once it's over, I just put it back on again. And I've probably listened to this thing on repeat like close to 50 times because it's just that good. It's just that fresh sounding, just that interesting. Um, I'd recommend it to just about everyone. So coming in at number two, for November 2021 is the Holy Ground EP by Burial Waves.
and coming in at number one is the album Terrible News from Wonderful Men by Taking Meds. What a fantastic title. So I've said a few times now I wasn't kind of too blown away by anything in November. Um, the Burial Waves EP and this album being an absolute exception because uh, these two records are incredible. So this is the third record from Taking Meds, uh, kind of the lead principal songwriter, Skyler something. is involved with a number of other bands, but I would say that this is easily the most accomplished thing that he has put to tape at this point. And it reminds me of an era when, you know, subgenres didn't really exist or, or, or didn't really matter. I would describe this record as rock. And there's nothing more I can really say to describe it. It's just straightforward, kick-ass, balls-to-the-wall rock. Um... Of course, you could get into the nitty-gritty with a lot of these songs. They draw on a lot of 90s influences. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just rock. And it's a really interesting set of influences for this record. Uh, definitely very 90s-based. Um, you've got sounds from Jawbox all the way to Dismemberment Plan. But... Interestingly enough, I would say the band that this album sounds the most like is Foo Fighters. And what not a lot of people know in this day and age is that Foo Fighters used to be fucking sick. Uh, Self-titled era, Color in the Shape era, you know, those first early records by the Foos were just straightforward kick-ass rock songs and that's kind of what you have here with this taking meds record um hooks for days and another kind of interesting similarity i find between this band and the foo fighters is i've watched the music videos released for this record and they remind me a lot of those old foo fighters music videos where you'd have a super kick-ass song you know just a straight ripper but the music video would just be kind of the goofiest dumbest shit you can imagine um think of like you know learn to fly or monkey ranch or songs like that um the videos were dumb and silly and that's kind of all part of the appeal and it's an interesting contrast to the songs which are just just sick you know and they they, they just kick so much ass and that's exactly what's going on in this record. Um, I think it's like 10 songs. Every song just hits. There's there's not a single moment of filler in the entire record. Um, I watched the band release this kind of like funny, silly mockumentary about the making of this album. And one of the kind of recurring bits is Skyler keeps telling people, um, you know, I don't know what I'll do if this album, you know, 
doesn't succeed or whatever. You know, kind of, you know, like, just adding, you know, like, pathos in a kind of funny, hilarious way to the whole thing. And it's meant to be a joke, but that being said, um, you can really tell in terms of songwriting, Skylar put everything he had into these songs because every single riff, every single chorus, every vocal line is just basically immaculate. And this is the finest, one, sorry, one of the finest sets of songs in any genres that I've heard this year in terms of consistency from front to back. Um, the, it was uh, recorded by Kurt Ballow um, of Converge. So, I mean, I guess congrats to Kurt Ballow for having at least one of two records come out this month that aren't complete trash. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard for me to talk in too much detail about because it's not meant to be talked in that much detail about. It's meant to be listened to and air drummed to and air guitar to and just, you know, chugging back a beer and, and yelling it out with your friends. I mean, if you had told me a few weeks ago that uh, no crepe hangers at the party would be one of the most ultimate badass lines in a song that I've heard all year, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but these guys have pulled it off. The whole thing is just an instance of these guys have pulled it off. In a perfect world, this entire record would dominate rock radio. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen, but take the time to listen to this album, tell your friends about it, tell your dog about it, do whatever you can because it is an injustice that Taking Meds is not a massive band at this point because this album proves that they have the songs and the firepower to back it up. So, coming in at number one, Terrible News from Wonderful Men by Taking Meds. And there you have it. That is going to be the second last traditional PH5 episode of this year. Um, we will have more episodes coming up before we get to the end of 2021. I still have no idea what they're going to entail, but I'll tell you what, they will exist. Um, I'm going to do a roundup of December because I can already see there's a ton of great music coming out next month that I know no other publication or whatever is going to be talking about because they're going to be too busy doing their year-end lists to uh, pay attention to those. So I'll be talking about them. And then I will be uh, being a hypocrite and doing also a year-end list of my own, which I'm really excited to start thinking about because... I'm still pretty uncertain about how the whole year is going to shake out list-wise for me. Have I, have I made you intrigued? Have I, have I built interest? I hope so. Folks, thank you, as always, for joining. This is Phil May, PH5. Have a great night. Get some rest. Take some vitamin C. 